you're not going to become a better manager unless you pay a lot of attention to doing those things about over-communicating the plan and being a great coach and letting people know what to expect. And your people aren't going to become better unless they have a coach, unless they have some system in place that helps them, keeps them accountable, helps them to widen their horizons, ask the right questions. And that's what a great coach does. This is Lead with Culture. I am Kate Volman, and on this episode, we're talking about employee engagement. Floyd's Director of Coaching, Tony Ferraro, joined me for this conversation where we dive into some interesting data from Gallup's 2022 State of Global Workplace Report. We talked about the opportunities leaders have to help their teams become more engaged, both personally and professionally, and how that will ultimately impact the bottom line of your business. We hope you enjoyed this episode. So Tony and I were talking earlier this week, and what was interesting was we're always looking at different reports and data and stats. And what I said to him was, oh, man, you know what's so crazy is we look at all these stats and we look at the presentations that we do, and some of these stats have not changed for decades I said, so while I enjoy reading all of this data and getting all the analysis from all the companies and what's happening in the world, it also is kind of like, wait a second, 70% of the workforce is disengaged. 70% of the workforce has been disengaged for a very long time. And we're always trying to increase engagement and retention and help people. And then we see all these stats and it's like, all right. We got to keep doing the work. We got to keep doing the work to help more people grow, to help more people live more fulfilling and satisfying lives. And so Tony said, hey, guess what? The State of the Global Workplace 2022 report from Gallup just came out. Let's dig in and talk about some of the things that this report shows and talk about some solutions. How can leaders really more effectively lead their team, help their people grow and build businesses? Yep. Well, like you, and I'm sure our listeners, I was just waiting by my computer for that report to drop uh, as I, <laughs> anxiously. It was so exciting. And uh, uh, we threw but, a little yes, party. I did. We had a watch party <laughs> for the Gallup. <laughs> yes. But you hit the nail on the head. So, you know, you take a cursory look at this and you find out that the things, the more they change in the world, the more things have stayed the same in a lot of areas of employment engagement. It was interesting how Gallup put it, something to the effect of it's like good news, bad news. The good news is it hasn't gone down. The bad news is it's not at a good place. And if you look at that, yeah, so it's like, you know, I'm still poor, but I haven't lost any more money or whatever that would be. I remember doing a, a slide for one of our trainings in 2016 using the Gallup data. What did we say? Only 19% of the workforce is engaged. So 71% is disengaged. You look at it now and it's 20 or 21. And it's gone up and down in those five years, but it stayed in that. So, you know, I just want to repeat that only 21% of workers are engaged in their work. So 71% or 70%, whichever number you want to go by, are disengaged in their work. And what was interesting in the report of that, 60% of people are emotionally detached from their work. So well over half the people are emotionally detached from their work and uh, 19 to 20% are miserable at work. So if you're listening to this today, the odds are that (laughs) one fifth of the people that you run in today are miserable at work. It hasn't changed. 
and we see it. And again, the trend line's the same. And that's over. If you look at, you could say, well, the world's exactly the same as it was in 2016, right? I mean, nothing major has happened in those years, but obviously that's not true. I mean, we've gone through <laughs> a couple all things here and a there. Couple things, you know, there was some <laughs> some pandemic or something like that. But I think that's telling. I think it 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 may speak to the fact that it's they're not external forces at work in people's disengagement. There are some, but ultimately the disengagement resides in the person. And companies can do some things about that, but it's ultimately it's an internal, it's an intrinsic uh, thing that has to happen with people to become engaged because it, it just hasn't changed with all these things that have been going on in the world. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's so much of what the dream manager is talking about. Matthew Kelly in the book, he is encouraging organizations to, and leaders to remember that their people are people and we need to treat people like people and your people have dreams for their lives and so many people have have stopped dreaming. And so as leaders, if, you know, our, the number one role of a leader is to help your people grow, not just, hey, get better at doing presentations and Excel and all the things that they need to do for their work, but helping them grow as a person, a whole human being. And the way in which to do that is to help them identify their dreams, personally their dreams, so that they are excited and engaged in their own life so they come into work engaged in their work life. So that's really what that the, the challenge is that so many people have become so disengaged in their world, in everything that they do. And the one thing that was interesting that I, I really liked how they opened up the CEO who had written kind of the introduction of the study talking about how over the years, it's just the conversation that is had is around, oh, work. Everybody's working for the weekend, right? That whole, the, the, there's a song about it, right? Everyone's, and it's the, uh Monday morning. Everyone hates Monday and everyone can't wait till Friday. And when we feed into that kind of culture, instead of having a culture of work is good for us, like we get to go and we get to experience new things and meet new people and build something together. You know, Tony and I, the last conversation that we had in, in one of our episodes talked all about mission is king. And we have to have a mission. We have to feel like we're building towards something, just like people in their own lives have to feel like they're building towards something. And so we have to have those dreams. But that's another conversation that I feel like as leaders, it's up to us. If you're listening to this podcast, obviously you care about culture. We have to change the conversation from, oh, everyone's working for the weekend till, hey, we can enjoy coming to work and doing great things together. How can we do that? How can we make that happen? How can we make it so that on Sunday evening, people aren't dreading and having stomach aches and feeling sick because they get to go to work in the morning, but they rather feel, I'm so excited to continue to do the work that I get to do to build something that I'm so excited to be part of. And we can do that because there are plenty of organizations out there that are doing that. But unfortunately, they just fall in the minority. So we need to help more and more of them come into that majority. So what are some of the biggest ideas and takeaways that, that you found in the report? Absolutely. They added a statistic this year about thriving in your life. And we always say, are people in your, your company, are they surviving or are they thriving? Well, you know, globally, only 33% of people said they were thriving in their overall life, which includes their work. So just at a third of the people it means two thirds of the people are not. And so, you know, there are a couple of facts here. The one is, and I think there are hundred percent facts. I think everybody agrees with them that it's naive to think that people's personal lives don't affect their work life. I think everybody would agree with that. You know, if you've got something going on at home, 
it affects your work life in some way or another. And the reverse is true too. Like we always, one way to gauge your culture, for example, we tell folks is when you go home, if work comes up at dinner, at the dinner table, does the food taste better or worse? I mean, it's a great indicator of how your <laughs> culture is going. So leaders have to realize that it is naive to think that people's personal lives don't affect their work life. Because sometimes people say, well, that's personal stuff. It doesn't belong in the workplace. And then the second question, which I also think is a 100% question, is you can ask, have people's lives become more or less dysfunctional? Well, if you combine those two, that we have people whose lives are at least more intricate, more complicated, if you want to put it that way, people's lives are more complicated and their life outside of work affects their work, then it really does behoove leaders to pay attention to that. And so even if that doesn't convince a leader that this is important, the idea of somebody being disengaged in their work, it only, it only costs companies globally, according to the report, $7.9 trillion in revenue a year is wasted or lost due to employee disengagement. So it's only a $7.9 trillion problem. So <laughs> doesn't, no big uh, deal. No big deal. A trillion here, a trillion there, you know, pretty soon that adds up to real money. So the, the key then becomes, okay, if people are struggling, only a third of people say that they're really thriving in their lives, then the job of the leader becomes, how can we help people become more engaged in their own lives? Because if you want people to become more engaged in their work, you have to help facilitate them become more engaged in their own lives first, and then the rest takes care of itself. And when you read, so when you read that, that number, 7.8 trillion, that's so, it is so much. It's so far beyond that. We can't really comprehend. Like that doesn't impact us. That's like not, that's not me because like, that's a huge number. And if you're running a small business, you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah. But we have to bring it down to our level and think about what would that look like in my organization? If you did an assessment of your organization and the people that are currently on your team, and you really took a look at the engagement levels, are there some people that maybe shouldn't be there? Yep. They are not engaged. They're not really bringing to the table what needs to be brought in order for you to fulfill that mission and for them to fulfill the mission of the role. So I think it's important for us when we look at big numbers like that to take it down to the level of what would that look like in my organization? What would that percentage be for me. And when we can look at that, I think that's a really staggering number for a lot of companies, a lot of organizations, and how much money they're spending, not really building their people up when really they could be investing in coaching and training and doing all the things that are helping those people become a better version of themselves so that you don't fall into that category and contributing to that $7.8 trillion. <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. So you can do this if you really want to get it down to your own company. One of the statistics that stands out about employee engagement is that companies in which their employees are more engaged, okay, see a 23% increase in revenue and profit. So no one's got a trillion dollars on balance sheet. But if you'd use that 23% and say, okay, how would I like to make 23% more next year? Would I like to do that? And if so, it's a straight line that, that if you help people become more engaged in their lives and then thus their work, those companies make 23% more than companies that don't pay attention to it. So that's where you can really get down to real numbers. Now, if you could invest 10% of that into your people, 
Okay, you're still up to 13, 15% increase in revenue from that. And everybody would do that. If you give me 10% and I'll give you a 23% return, everybody would do that. So there are hard numbers that are realistic that point to the idea that investing in my people is going to return in some real tangible ways. It's a good assessment. It's something good for leaders to just look at and say, all right, what would this look like for me? How can I make some of those changes? Speaking to leaders and leadership, what I found so interesting in this report was when they were talking about bad bosses. We've all had bad bosses, right? And it was talking about how there was a study on burnout and found that the biggest source was unfair treatment at work. And this was followed by unmanageable workload, unclear communication from managers, lack of manager support, and unreasonable time pressures. And those five causes have one thing in common, your boss. So if you have a bad boss, obviously you're probably not going to enjoy the work that you do. And what was so cool is that they said a manager's effect on the workplace is so significant that Gallup can predict 70% of the variance in team engagement just by getting to know the boss. <laughs> so think about that. You're the leaders of the organization. If you lead a team, someone can literally sit down and have a conversation with you and know how engaged or disengaged your team is going to be based on these things. Why? Because, I mean, Matthew talks about it in his in the book, The Culture Solution, right? Principle number six, grow your people by creating a coaching culture. We need coaches. We need people that are lifting us up, that are helping us grow, that we feel like they have our back. They feel like they want us to get better. And when we don't have that, it's so easy to be disengaged because we don't feel like we're being supported. We don't feel like we're able to grow. And that's what people really want. They want to grow in their work. People really do want to do good work when they're in the right role, they're with the right organization, and they have the right leader. And that leader is a coach. And so I thought that was so fascinating. So this is another yeah. assessment, right? Look in the mirror and say, hey, if someone were to have a conversation with me, how engaged or disengaged would they rate my team? And there are some ways that you can improve as a leader because we all can, right? We all need to grow as leaders. We all have that opportunity to become a better coach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know I, you know, I may look at things filtered, but when you read that list, it kind of reads like a list of those six immutable principles that the mission is king. Everybody wants to be part of something. They want to feel like what they're doing is important. Over communicating the plan. That was one of the things they said. I have a non-communicative yep. boss. I don't know what's expected of me, or I have unrealistic expectations. Let people know what to expect. And then, as you said, create a coaching culture. And I think that's the good news on this from, you know, that, that all these things are internal. So if I'm a leader, I can look internal and say, how can I be a better leader? How can I be a better manager? And then the second part that I think is also important is that it's also incumbent upon the individuals in the organization. So uh, Matthew in Off Balance, Matthew Kelly said that work-life balance or work-life effectiveness or satisfaction, whatever you want to call it, is not an entitlement or a benefit. Your company can't give it to you right? You have to create it for yourself. You're personally responsible for living the best life you can. So the leader's role, number one, as you said, is to make him or her the best leader they can be. The second thing they need to do is facilitate the people that work for them on their journey on becoming the best version of themselves. And so, because only they can do it, you can't say, okay, this year we're going to offer this health plan and this retirement, and we're going to offer job satisfaction also. It's just not a benefit that you that you can give people. So then what do you do? Well, you have to set up the situation where people can invest in themselves. For some folks, just getting back to 
investing in their own lives, thinking about their dreams, thinking about what's important to them. Because every one of your employees, they have a different reason for working for you if you're the leader. Now, everybody's committed to the mission, but everybody has their own mission and they choose to be part of yours because they feel like if I help the company accomplish its mission, it's going to help me accomplish my mission. The trouble is that not enough people have really examined their lives. They've stopped dreaming. They've stopped thinking about what's important. They haven't defined their own missions. And so what the leader can do, you can't give that to somebody, but you can give them the opportunity. And so a program like the Dream Manager does just that. It gets people thinking about their own lives first. And now if somebody is, if they're better financially, if they're better physically, if their relationships are better in their life, if they have an idea of what they want to do professionally, and again, what their dreams are, then they can see the reason for going to work because we spend a lot of time at work and to try to segment those things out and say, I have my work life and I have my personal life. And as you said, working towards the weekend, that's a really bad existence. I mean, that's a shallow existence because the time we spend so much time at work, again, the leader's role is to help facilitate people in addition to becoming the best leader they can be, it's to facilitate a way in which people can become better versions of themselves. Um, and as we said, the dream manager is a perfect conduit that we see that every day from our clients and the companies who say, look, my people are getting better and our company's getting better because of it. We're retaining more people, the people that are, you know, that are staying are doing great work and we're able to hire more great people because they say, look, those people are really interested in me. Look at that program they have, the dream manager program. They're investing in their people. I'm not getting that now. I'm going to hitch my wagon to them because I think it's the best chance for me to improve. So it's internal and it's, it's incumbent upon people to become better versions of themselves. And the leader can help facilitate that. And that's really what we help people do. You're creating empowerment. And that is so often people forget how much control and power they have over their own lives because we feed into the excuses that we make and we feed into all of the circumstances that we're dealing with. And I'm not saying that they're easy, right? We all have things that show up, whether it's a sick parent or child or taking care of someone or an unexpected bill or all of these things happen in our lives and we have to handle them, right? And so we can play the victim or we can play the victor. And so when we are able to, as leaders, help empower our people to recognize I can make changes in my life to yep. feel better, to be better. We cannot leave it up to somebody, anybody else, right? A boss, a, a spouse, a friend, no one else can make you happy. No one else can do those things for you. And it's up to us to create that that empowerment to, to do the work that we know we need to do. And so when yep. you are being held accountable by someone and you're also being encouraged by someone to again, start dreaming again. So many people, oh, we've stopped dreaming. We need to remind people to dream again. So if there are people on your team, that is one thing that you can do today is simply ask them, hey, tell me about your dreams. What is one dream that you're most excited about? And oftentimes they'll look at you like you're nuts because when's the last <laughs> time somebody asked them about their dreams? But think about that. You get to be the person that asks them about their dreams and that person's probably going to go home or call a friend or be talking to someone and ask that same question because they were so excited to get yep. that question. Because if you ask someone, what's your dream, they're going to start, their eyes are going to light up. They're going to be excited to talk about what's most important to them. And then you get to know them a little bit more and they've remembered, oh, 
I do love that. And that engagement will start to happen in their personal lives and then trickle down into their professional lives. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, one of the challenges to kind of wrap this up is that left to our own devices, we probably won't do that. And here's the example that I can give you. So going back to the report, it did include coming out of the, the pandemic and some things about the pandemic. What was really interesting during the pandemic, if you looked at some of the research initially in the pandemic, when everybody was home, job satisfaction started to tick up. There was actually a spike. And why was that? Because people were starting to tend to things that they weren't tending to before. They were home. They had more time with their kids, with their significant others. They were taking care of things. They were taking care of their health. For example, I can, I know a lot of people have, uh, have returned back to the office, but I can remember my neighborhood looking out and noting, going, look at all the people walking and jogging and just getting out and moving around during the day or even in the evening, whatever that was. And that, that was happening because people had, they had the time and it was facilitated. Oh, I can just go for a walk now and come back to my computer. And as I said, I know a lot of people have gone back to an office, but a lot of people haven't. And right now I don't see anybody walking. I mean, I see the same people that before the pandemic were walking or running or those things, but it's dwindled. And that actually, the statistics bore out. There was that immediate spike, but then it le- it went down again and leveled back out. So even though I had all the time that I wanted to spend at home, even though I had the ability to spend more time with my kids, to get my other parts of my life in order because it was just best facilitated, we missed interaction with people. We, we missed that feeling of being on a team and we let those other things go, even though I still had the time. So the reality is for most people, unless they're guided, unless they're coached a bit, they're not going to tend to those things. And that is really where the power of the dream manager comes in, that it's so much more than, hey, what are your dreams? Because you could do a program and say, what are your dreams? And somebody said, I'd like to go there. And the company says, great, we'll pay for it. That's not what the dream manager program is. It's a program that takes people through month by month and examines all the parts of their lives and helps coach people, helps encourage them, helps foster accountability in all the different areas of their lives. And as I said, we just don't do that on our own unless we've got somebody guiding us with us. That's what a dream manager is. They're a guide and they just help facilitate the change that everybody wants to make. So the point is you're not going to become a better manager unless you pay a lot of attention to doing those things about over-communicating the plan and being a great coach and letting people know what to expect. And your people aren't going to become better unless they have a coach, unless they have some system in place that helps them, keeps them accountable helps them to widen their horizons, ask the right questions. And that's what a great coach does. So it's not just going to happen. So look, we know that this has incredible financial value for a company. By doing this, you can help somebody change their lives. And so the benefits are just innumerable, but it's just not going to happen. Companies just don't get better. They do just get worse. If you're bad and you don't do anything about it, you're not getting good and you're never going to stay the same. You know, day to day, we don't stay the same. We get better or worse. So these companies are just going to sink further and further and further into this. So bad news is that the numbers are not trickling up as, uh, <laughs> they're not getting as great as we would like to see them as far as engagement. But the good news is that every single one of us has the opportunity to help our people grow, to help ourselves grow. And in our organizations, we have a lot of control over providing an opportunity for 
really incredible work, really incredible people for people to be excited about the work that they do. And they get to feel like they are growing both personally and professionally. And that is what we want. So I love that you talked about intentionality. It's huge. Intentionality and accountability are the biggest things. Most of the time, things don't get done because we don't have clearly defined written expectations. And two, we aren't being held accountable. So whatever it is that you want to be really working on this year around your business, your people need to be attached to those goals. Whatever they are, helping your people grow needs to always be attached to the goals that you have in growing whatever business that you're growing because we can't run businesses without our teams. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I said your organization it, one year from today is going to be better or worse than it was today. There's no in between. And so if things are going perfectly at your place, they're going great. Okay, super. Keep doing what you're doing. If they're not, if you're not satisfied as a leader, if you think things could be better, you know they could be better, then you have to take some action because yeah. it's going to be worse. And so imagine a year from now it being worse. For some people, they I don't even think they can imagine that. <laughs> I know. I'm even, as you're saying it, I'm like, no, I don't even, that doesn't compute. I don't know what that means. No, can't, can't, can't be done. Can't be done. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love doing this show. If you haven't yet written a review wherever you listen, we would love for you to review the show. And of course, we talked a lot about Dream Manager today. If you're interested in learning about Dream Manager and if it might be the right fit, it is the right fit, just so you know, uh, for your organization. We would love to talk to you further about that. You can go to thedreammanager.com and learn more about that and talk to someone on our team. And so we can find out about you and your business, your team, and how we might be able to support you over the next next year so that your next year is the best year ever. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, lead with culture.